0: There are a number of different strategies available to benefit these slow growing pigs that we identify early on. So it should be a combined strategy rather than you know one particular intervention. You should be focusing on these pigs at several different points during the their early life in order to give them the best chance of, of catching up.
1: Swine it. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative sponsors like Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Just All, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adaseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in a high-quality, safe and sustainable way. NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Welcome to Swine
2: Podcast. My name is Marcel Gonçalves, your host for today's episode.
1: This episode's sponsor highlight is about NutriQuest, NutriQuest delivers targeted breakthrough solutions to animal producers via nutritional and non-nutritional products, services, and technologies. At NutriQuest, we believe in ingenuity inspired by servitude and that our success comes from helping producers realize improved profitability through optimized technologies and efficient operation.
2: Hello, everyone. Today, we have Dr. Sadie Douglas, and she's expert on the whole area of early peak growth and lifetime performance. Uh, how are you today, Dr. Douglas?
0: I'm really good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on, on your podcast.
2: Yeah, I appreciate uh, you being here today, especially in this, uh very uh, crazy times that we are going through <laughs> right now. So Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, the first question I have, uh, Sadie, is if you can tell us about your career and how you got involved in pig production as well.
0: Yeah, certainly. So I grew up um, in a county in the UK called Um And basically, from an early age, I had um, a love of animals and worked on um, a few different farms. Um, when I went to university, um, I therefore decided to, to um, carry on working with animals. And I went to the Royal Veterinary College in London, where I did uh, an undergraduate degree in bioveterinary sciences. And then I went on to do a master's in the control of infectious diseases in animals. And actually, that master's had quite a large component focusing on livestock. Mm -hmm. Um, So once I graduated, I actually moved back up to uh, the north of England and took up a PhD at Newcastle University. Uh-huh. and this was all this was all around focusing on um the management um of variation in the pig systems and coming up with different strategies whether management or nutritional to try and improve growth performance of the, these really slow growing pigs
2: very nice
0: so after i finished my phd back in 2014 now um actually stayed within the pig industry and I went to work for a company that specialize in ventilation controllers in, in in pig production and pig houses. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I was actually doing there was something quite different is I was um, managing uh, their data services um, as we had streams of data um, coming from essentially smart farms. Mm -hmm. So we had temperature sensors, water meters, um growth data, health data. Wow. And it was my job to analyse this data mm-hmm. and hopefully, you know, give pig producers some practical um guidance from the data about what they can do on farm to improve things.
2: Oh wow. Yeah, that's super cool.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting a few years um and definitely an area that I think is, is getting um you know it's progressing more and more and will become an important part, I think, of of pig production in the future.
2: Mm. very cool um
0: yeah and then after after there, um about a year and a half two years ago i actually moved to a company called primary diet um where i'm currently a piglet nutritionist so mm-hmm. we supply uh piglet uh pre-starter and starter feed so usually focusing on the first two to three weeks post screening um and yeah, we supply feed to the UK, to Europe, and also further afield to countries such as Canada and Asia as well. So I've been there for a couple of years now, and obviously it's kind of taken me back to my initial focus from my research, with, which is all about how to improve growth performance of pigs through nutrition and management in, in their real life, really.
2: Very cool. Yeah, super uh, super diverse background there, and uh, very cool areas that you've studied I've I've told you before that I've watched your research for the last five or six years and that was super cool. So what are the top three lessons from all your research, Sadie?
0: So I would say that as a result of my PhD, which as I said is is focusing on improving the growth performance of those really slow-growing pigs. Mm -hmm. So what I learned was actually that the early period of a pig's life is really critical when it comes to reducing that variation. So if you leave it too long to intervene, you're unlikely to be able to get the, the, the benefits that you want. So I always say that intervene as early as possible. So potentially we're talking at birth. Um, and you need to have a think about what are the additional stresses that you're placing on those pigs. Um, and then hopefully try to reduce those stresses and that can help those pigs to, to try and catch up with, with heavier litter mates or heavier pen mates, for example, at weaning.
2: Yeah, interesting.
0: Um, I'd also say that, uh, you know, sometimes it's an opinion that we have or that we hear is that if a piglet, for example, is born with a low birth weight, that, you know, they're simply a lost cause and that actually they're never going to be able to catch up. Um, Certainly as a result of my research, I'd say that that's definitely not the case.
2: Um,
0: And we can implement a number of different strategies to help those piglets. And actually, in some cases, these pigs can exhibit growth rates that are above average. We just have to give them the additional support that they need. And I'd also say when you consider low birth weight piglets or you consider low weaning weight piglets, they're not all the same. So mm-hmm. we tend to just group them you know, all together and say, oh, you know, they're less than um, so many kilograms and they're classified as a, as a low birth weight piglet. Mm-hmm. But actually, there's a difference in these pigs. So you may have some that are small at birth because they were restricted in, in the uterus. Mm-hmm. So they had insufficient nutrients and therefore they are born um, substantially smaller. Whereas you may have piglets that have a low birth weight but did not experience restriction in the uterus or experience a much lesser degree of restrict, uh, restriction mm-hmm. and actually there is a difference in how well these piglets can catch up so it's important to consider the cause of, a, of low birth weight or the cause of, of low weaning weight and not just group all these pigs in, into one category Very cool. and then i would finally say that there are a number of different strategies available to benefit these um slow-growing pigs that we identify early on so I would be considering what you can do for them pre-weaning um, and I'll, I'll go on to explain a few things about about that in a bit um, and then also post-weaning so it should be a combined strategy rather than you know one particular intervention you should be focusing on these pigs at several different points during the their early life in order to give them the best chance of, of, of catching up
2: very cool no that that makes sense and one thing that uh, caught my attention a lot on your research was that if you divide the pigs say, in five categories or however many, uh, they change their categories a lot throughout the, grow, the growing period, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. So it, it's not static. It's, you know, as I said before, just because we classify a piglet as small at birth and then potentially small at weaning doesn't actually necessarily mean that they're going to be the smallest right. if you do you know, an intermediate weight in the grower period or, or the smallest at finishing. And likewise, just because a piglet is born with a heavier birth weight or has a heavier weaning weight does not mean that they are going to be the fastest growers and therefore the heaviest pigs to finish. There's actually quite a lot of movement mm-hmm. within that because there's obviously different factors that are affecting these piglets these pigs or these piglets at different stages so when we're considering strategies although you have to go with you know the, the majority and we have to try and understand the most important risk factors for these pigs it's important to, to understand that there's, there's movement in these categories and there are things that we can do to help them
2: right very cool well um Sadie, what what would be the most important risk factors associated with poor lifetime performance
0: So, again, I would say from my research, this is, um, if we're looking at at weight, for example, which which Mm -hmm. tends to come out as the most important risk factors for um, poor lifetime growth performance. So, birth weight is obviously one of them. Now, as I said before, we know that potentially a pig which is born with a low birth weight may have been restricted in in the uterus. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that comes a number of different complications. There may be, for example, higher risk of mortality. Um, they are, um, because of the low birth weight, they're more likely to get competition from heavier litter mates. They're more likely to have access to the poorest teats on the sow as well and therefore, mm-hmm. you know, get less milk. Right. And there may be physiological differences, actually, um, for these pigs as well. So birth weight is definitely one of the major ones. Um, and we do consistently see that some po- small pigs at birth will be the lowest Um, weight pigs at finish Mm -hmm. but as I've uh, you know as you've brought it previously actually there is movement within these categories so that's why weaning weight is another really important risk factor actually for for poor lifetime growth so when we talk about a group of pigs at weaning that have a low weaning weight what we're probably capturing is a number of pigs that were born with a low birth weight but then actually also pigs that were potentially born with an average birth weight or a heavier birth weight, but for whatever reason have been disadvantaged during the pre-weaning period and now have a low weaning weight. And actually we know that therefore weaning weight as well, in addition to birth weight is an important factor to consider.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'd probably just add another one actually that, that didn't come out of my research, but has come out of um, work done at Primary Diet to so the company that I work for since. And that's actually the importance of weaning age. Right. So in the UK, we tend to wean pigs at around, an, at an average of 26 to 28 days. So mm-hmm. I know that's obviously later than, for example, in, in, in the US. Right. But what we found from our research at primary is actually that the impact of an early weaned pig is greater than the impact of being small at weaning. Mm-hmm. So, and this was purely in relation to actually to nursery growth performance, but it's likely that that pattern will be continued to finishing. And actually, for those pigs that are going to be the worst off, it's those piglets that are early weaned and are also small. So they're the ones that are really going to struggle in terms of performance.
2: Interesting. So if I understood correctly, in that study, you saw that age was more important than weight. Is that correct?
0: Yeah exactly so this was in um, some access to some trial data that we we, um, completed over a number of years and certainly it was those early weaned pigs which we classified at approximately 20 to 24 days Um, the impact of being an early weaned pig was was greater than being a lighter pig and actually I guess if you think about it 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 does make sense because Mm -hmm. if a pig is younger then um, actually they're going to have had less time to suckle on the sow they're going to have had less time to eat creep feed which we know is incredibly important to, to stimulate gut development and therefore they may struggle more at weaning and then actually in terms of development of, of the of the piglet's gut there's nothing better than time so if we give we're giving you know potentially an, a, a, an older pig their guts had more time to develop than a younger pig and therefore would we expect them to do better yeah i think we probably would
2: Right, that makes sense, and I think that goes. Uh, there's some study out of uh, Michigan State from Dr. Mosher about similar things from a phys- physiological standpoint. Uh, that's cool, very nice. I wanted to get your thoughts in a few other topics here. One is about the whole variation, right? Which, of course, we hear a lot of producers, everyone talking about. Hey, how can I reduce the variation on my pigs? Um, but also we see a lot of studies trying to find, you know, fix some of the variation and it's extremely hard. So I wanted to see your thoughts on that. Um, one of my thoughts is that, hey, pigs start at about 22, sometimes 25% variation and all the way to market, they're about what, 10, 12%. So half of the problem they fix by themselves, but I mean, from an overall standpoint, I don't know based on your research if uh, there's major things to to help on the whole uh, coefficient of variation standpoint.
0: Yeah, so certainly for a lot of my research, it was all it was all focused on trying to obviously reduce the variation, and the method that I took to reduce that variation was to improve the performance of the slowest growing pigs. Mm-hmm. And certainly, a lot of the the research that I did and, and the studies that I wrote, we were always looking essentially to try and reduce that coefficient of variation, whatever our group of pigs was. So if it was pre-weaning and it was the litter, or if it was post-weaning, it was a group of pigs. Um, and yeah, I certainly, as a result of, of my PhD, I had several different strategies that um, helped to reduce that variation. Um, at different points within within the um, production system, and again, these were mainly around um, all you know early strategies focusing on reducing this variation as soon as possible to have the maximum output um, longer term.
2: Um, how about uh, compensatory growth? I, I know we we talked about it, right? But it's also like a polemic topic, and I just wanted to get your thoughts. You know, based on your research and our experience, uh, what's your take on the whole compensatory growth uh, discussion?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think that remains to be um, quite a, um, a, a a difficult topic, um, and definitely, you know, everybody has their opin- different opinions. And I mean, in my, I guess the way I like to think of it is that I don't necessarily believe in the concept of um, compensatory growth Mm -hmm. what i do believe is that we can we can enable pigs to increase their weight as a result of different strategies Um, and then that may result um in them either retaining that weight advantage or actually they may lose it depending on what other um stresses they come across later on in life i think the problem with compensatory growth and the issue I have with it is that people assume that they can then have these stresses on a pig and the pig will somehow um, compensate for those and make up for them. And, and I don't really like that as a, as a strategy, to be honest, because I don't feel we should be relying on something like that.
2: Interesting. No, that that is super interesting. And uh, it's a topic that I also enjoy a lot. I mean, there's some work from the University of uh, Illinois on the early two thousands about you know how how sometimes uh, more often than not it sounds like they can catch up but it depends right depends on the type of stress and everything super exactly super yeah. interesting cool um, so from a producer standpoint if we get more practical here uh, Sadie what can producers implement based on what you've
0: learned okay so what I, I would say is that while i've kind of identified a number of different strategies and while i find a number of different strategies work on farm it ultimately depends on the individual um pig producer and the the unit that they work on because there's so many different variables so it is important to um i guess consult um you know whoever you have advising you on farm whether that's a geneticist or a nutritionist to identify some of these strategies that would work on your unit but what i have found in general If you're looking at strategies to improve the growth performance in the pre-weaning period, so potentially those piglets with low birth weight, Mm -hmm. then it's really important that you identify those piglets, those small birth weight piglets at birth, and they can benefit from being cross fostered onto a litter with other small pigs. So what we're trying to do at that point is reduce the competition that those small birth weight piglets are exposed to. And what i would say actually a really interesting piece of research that came out of newcastle university where i went a few years later was the importance of targeted cross fostering so while we um know that there's a benefit from putting small pigs onto other litters with small pigs Mm -hmm. actually we don't want to inadvertently disadvantage heavier pigs by doing that um because this particular piece of research showed that um if we for example then take big pigs and put them onto litters with other big pigs that can disadvantage their weaning weight so i would always um suggest a strategy of targeted cross fostering so think about your small pigs get them onto a lit- onto several litters together but try not to cross foster other litters if, if possible
2: mm-hmm. no that makes that makes sense
0: yeah and then also think about the nutrition for these pigs so now that you've got them into litters where you can keep a closer eye on them have a think about what additional nutrition may benefit them so I would always recommend to creep feed these piglets and certainly my research was looking at milk supplementation so whether there was any benefit to these litters in providing um, milk now I'd say the research was inconclusive in that it did show a benefit in terms of reducing the variation within a litter of small birth weight pigs but there wasn't necessarily an advantage in weaning weight So Mm -hmm. I would always caution with milk supplementation. There could be a benefit, but ultimately it will depend on how well that sow is milking and potentially how big your litter size is as well.
2: Interesting. Do you, from your data, when you did a milk supplementation, did any change that happened, did that stay all the way to market or that
0: went away? No. So in the case of of milk supplementation, um, it tends to be short-lived. And I think actually some of that is um, supported by the research. And I think the, the field of milk supplementation, the, the research is very variable. So in some cases, there is a benefit and uh, others there is not. And I would say that's all potentially down to sound factors about how well that cow is milking. Um, yeah, and I, I would caution that um, you may not see that benefit long term. Or certainly that's what my, my research suggested.
2: Yeah, that, that makes sense. What I think, you know, right around winning, uh, any strategies that can help with um, uh, improving survivability, mm-hmm. it's great, right? Because yeah. a live pig is a live pig. So that's right there. Exactly. Uh, a lot of things related to growth, it's it's way more variable from, from what I've seen.
0: Yeah, definitely. It gets, it gets a lot more complicated. And actually, that, that's a really good point in that often what we find with something like milk supplementation is that it does help to keep piglets alive. um, And, you know, you'll be able to wean a greater number of piglets, but actually, you know, the impact on weaning weight or post-weaning performance um, is, is more variable.
2: Very good, Sadie. Well, anything else on this topic before we move to the three questions we ask every guest every
0: episode? So, yeah, I'd probably just say that, obviously, we've kind of talked about Weaning strategies, but what is also incredibly important is post-weaning strategies. Mm-hmm. And as part of my research, I looked at the best way to feed these pigs that are that are lightweight at weaning. So those pigs that um, have a uh, lower birth weight or may have been, you know, have a low weaning weight for other reasons. And actually, it showed that it's beneficial to separate these separate piglets by size at weaning and feed them accordingly. So Feed your piglets that are smaller at weaning, feed them a more nutrient dense regime, feed them increased amounts of feed as well. And actually, that can really help them um, in order to kind of meet the weights of their contemporaries. And what I would say actually is that often we find that in the first, say, one to two weeks post weaning, we may find that actually small pigs um, outgrow have higher growth rates than their, than their heavier litter mates, mm-hmm. and we think that's because essentially the, the big pigs which we tend to call the milk babies so they're the ones that probably had the you know access to the best teats had the most milk and probably didn't eat that much creep feed um, and therefore they tend to struggle a little bit at weaning and they um, don't eat feed as quickly as the small pigs um, so I always think that if we can exploit that period where those small piglets are weaning are growing faster by also giving them access to a better better feed regime then it can just close the gap between between them and, and the bigger pigs as well
2: interesting yeah you touched on a, another topic that's fairly uh, well polemic around the globe maybe uh, I think at least here in the u.s uh, I, I see pretty pretty much everyone on the same page which is okay should we sort the pigs by size or not right yeah At placement at nursery or finishing. And there's a few studies, one it's like probably 15 years old and a few other ones more recent, where what we've seen is that if we sort by size at nursery and finishing, they they lose some performance because they fight more, right? Uh, They take a little longer to uh, establish their social uh, hierarchy. Um but what I, we see a lot of producers in the U.S. doing is uh, after a few days when you uh, figure out which pigs are not eating, then you separate them and you try to help them out uh, from from that standpoint.
0: Yeah, and certainly that's, you know, it, it, it definitely is a good strategy as well. And it, it's a really difficult area because we know at weaning we're putting a number of different stresses on those pigs so right. you know we're taking them away from their mums we're potentially you know we are mixing them we do know that mixing is a stress and it does cause um it, as you say you know it can cause issues with aggression it can take you know a few days for that group of piglets to establish itself again um what i would say certainly in the case of of those small pigs at weaning is that hopefully any disadvantage that you have by mixing remixing those pigs is outweighed by the benefit of feeding them better and being able to give them essentially more attention? Although I suppose when you when you do that, when you make the decision, you know whether you do it at weaning or whether you delay it by a couple of days, um, yeah, I guess it is down to preference.
2: Very interesting. Well, this is great research that you've done. Uh, Dr. Douglas really appreciate your thoughts in all these areas. Um, Anything else before we jump into the three questions?
0: No, I think that's um, that's kind of the key areas we've covered. But yeah, really interesting.
2: It is time to our famous three.
1: Celebrating its 25th anniversary, Gestol manufactures the original wireless standalone swine feeding system designed by pork producers for pork producers. They are simple, reliable, and provide peace of mind, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Just All is not just manufactured by an equipment company, but by a family pork production business with a slat-level understanding. Just All, always one step ahead in swine feeding. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com
2: so the first question said is what's your favorite pig related book
0: so my favorite book um, is one called science and practice of pig production this was actually written or edited by my phd supervisor um, and it's just a great book to give you for the the science behind um, behind raising pigs uh, as well as giving you the more the more practical side of it
2: very nice uh, how about a uh, book in general outside of pig production?
0: So I'm, I'm quite a big fan of historical fiction, and mm-hmm. uh, we have a writer in the UK called Colin Igledon, and he has written a series of books um, uh, all about Genghis Khan. One of his books called Wolf of the Plains um, would be my, my favorite uh, my favorite book.
2: Very nice. Very cool. And then the last one is, what do you think sets apart successful swine professionals from those who are not?
0: I would always say passion for the industry and and, and passion for what you do. So if you love pigs, and for example, if you're a nutritionist and you love science and you have a real passion for the industry and wanting to, to improve things, then I definitely think this is what makes a difference when it comes to those who are successful and those who aren't.
2: I love it. Very good. Dr. Douglas, uh, thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate that.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
2: Hey, everyone. Please share our episodes with as many people as you can so we can continue to impact the life of swine professionals from around the globe with the wisdom of our great guests. Before you go, make sure to get in our waitlist for the Swine Talks web conference, the first online conference of the global swine industry, an update on hot topics, and we're even going to have some controversial topics of the global swine industry, so you can leverage that knowledge in your day to day. Go to swinetalks.com and get on our waitlist, we'll talk soon.